From Washington, I'm David Schultz, and this is Talking Tax. Now is not an easy time to be an accountant, especially not an accountant to large multinational corporations. The OECD's two-pillar plan to remake the international tax landscape is bringing a lot of uncertainty to this space, and especially pillar two of that plan, a global minimum tax of 15%, which seems to be moving forward pretty quickly. Then, of course, there's the tech side of things, with rapid advances in AI, making it unclear what accountants' work will look like five years down the road, maybe even one year down the road. These are among the many things weighing on the mind of Karen Giuliante, the new CEO of Deloitte Tax. She just took the job atop the big four giant earlier this summer, and we brought her onto the podcast to ask her how she's going to respond to this extremely uncertain environment. Karen spoke to Bloomberg Tax and Accounting reporter Amanda Icone about her new role at Deloitte, and she started off by talking about the challenges Deloitte's clients are having with Pillar 2. I think about it in three broad buckets, right? And so when you think about this continued evolution we have in the global tax landscape, the regulatory environment, things like Pillar 2, which really do have an impact not just on um, how companies are operating, where they'll be paying taxes, but the huge compliance burden, the data gathering burden that comes along with it. Um, you know, it, it's just continuing to grow increasingly more complex, right? And companies, in my experience, are, are thinking about Pillar 2 in, in a couple different ways, right? Certainly one, really trying to make sure they understand what the rules are, what the timeline is going to be for adoption of the rules. And what we see now is is really an effort to, to do a couple of things. One, really gather the data um, that they need to assess what their position is going to be with respect to the global minimum tax, figuring out then what is the appropriate structure. Are there things, is there planning that's required? Are they, uh, you know, are they structured in the right way? Are we sitting in the we have operations in the right jurisdictions. And so are there are there things that need to be looked at either from an operations perspective or from a tax planning perspective to make sure that they're thinking about the pillar two in the, in the right way. And then on the back end, and, and this is starting to be more and more of the conversation, is how are companies going to deal with the compliance burden that comes along with it? And do we really have the right systems in place, the right technology solutions to really, you know, one, harness all of this data um, converted into effective tax calculations, and then ultimately, when the reporting becomes defective, you know, be able to deliver on those compliance requirements as well. I wonder. I mean, are, are companies going to have to replace or update their systems to be able to track this information? I mean, how how are they? I mean, how are they tracking it today versus what those needs are for these new reporting obligations? It, it, it's a great it's a great question because. Um, I'd say it depends on the company, right? And so when you look across the landscape of of companies, certainly that, that we serve, you have companies um, at all different places on the maturity spectrum. You have companies who are, are certainly not tracking the information, nor would they have the systems, you know, in place to do the calculations that are required or ultimately do the compliance calculations. And then all the way at the other end of the spectrum, you have companies that are incredibly mature um, in their tax departments. And so do have the ability and have at least historically tracked some of the data, if not all of it, um, and are really thinking through whether or not it makes sense to build their own models. And so it really, it really just depends on where a company is in the life cycle. What other challenges are companies facing as they, uh, you know, work to adjust to this new tax landscape? Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. So we talked about the increasing complexity, right? So Pillar 2 is an example. 
A global fat and CRS reporting is another example. If if you wanted to, you know, change it up and think a little bit about U.S. flow throughs, you know, the the changes we've had over the past couple of years with the addition of K two and K three reporting have added significantly to the workload. And, and really, no matter what jurisdiction you look at or what tax type you're thinking about, we just keep seeing this ever increasing regulatory compliance burden. And so that leads to two other challenges for for companies that we're seeing. First, and is talent, right? I think we all know that talent's been a bit of a challenge over the last few years. And that's the same, you know, whether we're talking about companies with in-house tax departments or we're talking about professional services firms. Um, but I do think there's an added burden on companies who are still maintaining their own tax departments. And it's, it's a twofold burden. First, how do you as a standalone organization really create that curated work experience where your professionals can grow and thrive and develop, but also at the same time, how do you as an organization make sure they're developing and keeping current on all of these global changes that are so incredibly complex? Um, and then second, and this might be a bit more of a challenge, when you think about you know motivating and retaining employees, particularly those uh, as we move into the, the Gen Z workforce, um, how, how do you really keep your team engaged and focused right as you move forward? Now, I wonder, you know, some of the firms offer, you know, kind of outsourced tax department work for their clients. Is that something that De- Deloitte is offering currently? I mean, is, are you seeing growing demand for that kind of help where, where a company would just turn to you and say, here, do our tax work for us? <laughs> we we can't do it. It's too complex. The, the investment in the new tech isn't worth it. Uh, what, what What is the demand for those kind of services like today? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. The demand for those services, we at Deloitte, we call that, that operate. We call it our operate services. Um, and it's really driven by those those three things, right? The complexity, the talent issues, the technology issues, which when you look at them together, they really can be a bit daunting um, and also quite expensive for companies to deal with independently. So we really have seen more and more companies looked at either outsource or co-source, either all or part of their tax department. And it, it depends on you know what, what their particular pain points are, um, but certainly it is on the rise and, and a great driver of demand for, you know, not just Deloitte, but I would say for professional services firms in general. I want to talk more about technology and, and staffing issues in a little bit. Um, but I, I did want to ask, uh, you know, about um, some new IRS regs that came down addressing crypto and, and how crypto brokers in particular should report transactions to the government. What are you hearing from the industry? For, I mean, do you have clients in this space? And what are the challenges for businesses? Yeah, it, it, it's a great question. Um, we spend quite a bit of time focused on on what we call the blockchain um, digital asset space. And um, we are seeing, um, it's another area where we're seeing quite an increase in demand for companies. First, trying to really understand what the rules mean. What What is a digital asset? How do I track it? How do I treat it? And, and how they're going to deal, again, with the reporting requirements that come along with, with those regulations. And, you know, as with anything that's new, I think the first, the first thing companies are focused on is really trying to make sure they understand all of the parts of their businesses that are impacted. Um, and then, again, trying to harness, you know, figure out how to, how to gather the right data and make sure they're not running afoul of the reporting regulations. We're also seeing it quite a bit in the financial services space, right? When you think about you know, some of the the funds that are being created and the different ways of, of trading in those digital assets are creating a whole ton of complexity as well. So let's talk a little bit about 
technology. I mean, you've mentioned it a number of times that the need to transform, the need to invest in your back, some of those back office systems that the tax practitioners rely on. But of course, you know, artificial intelligence is everywhere today. You can't, um, you know, read a news site without seeing something about it. And I, I wonder if you could give us just a, a quick status update on how Deloitte's tax practice currently uses AI, right? This is not new to the big four. Been working in this space for a while now, but just give us an idea of what you're using it for and, and how it helps your teams today. Certainly. Um, as you say, the topic of AI, generative or otherwise, has certainly been stealing the headlines of late, for sure. Um, so, so maybe a couple thoughts first to perhaps set the stage a little bit about how we're thinking about it. First, I, I think it's safe to say that none of us can really predict precisely how artificial intelligence and other emerging technologies will eventually transform the professional services landscape. But one one thing is clear. Um, the way we've worked over the past, say, 30 years is, is absolutely not going to be the way we work in the future. Once you accept that, the next phase is really to embrace those changes that are here, the changes that are coming, and really make sure we're open to exploring ways to redefining the future, um, not just for us and for our people, but for our clients as well. So you asked about you know, what we have been doing at Deloitte with technology, um, particularly AI, and we've already integrated um, AI into our technology, and we continuously evaluate use cases as part of the evolution of our transformation. But the speed at which it's happening now is really like nothing we've ever seen before. So if you think that, you know, projects or enhancement to technologies that existed used to take weeks, months, perhaps years to launch, changes are now taking days or weeks. Um, and we're currently using AI and machine learning on different elements of our delivery um, in our learning environment, data preparation and mapping, um, strategic analytics, scenario plan planning. Prior to the generative AI revolution, I'll call it, um, AI really involved mostly predefined tasks. Gen AI is unleashes a whole new frontier of possibilities with the ability to create content, which in many cases we all, we've heard, right, all the stories, it's difficult to distinguish from human-generated content. But um, something that I think is really important to note here is that we are of the mind that AI, including generative AI, cannot and will not replace human judgment. The risk of hallucinations is high. Um, so human review of whatever we create with a generative AI, we believe, is going to remain critical to make sure we mitigate risk, ensure the quality and accuracy of what we're delivering to our clients. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about some of the opportunities. You know, what sorts of work do you see that this kind of technology could help your staff? Um, I mean, is it just going to be just an AI assistant? Oh, here, sign me something you know, like sort of like we have now on our on our phones, you can tell your phone, hey, call this number. Is it going to be something like that? Or is there deeper opportunities to benefit the actual tax work itself here? Yeah, I, I think I think, you know, the, the answer to that question is it's it's still evolving. The the assistant type tools were, were honestly available sort of with, with AI before generative AI. They've certainly been enhanced, um, you know, with, with generative AI. And there is, you know, an evolution, right, towards what else we can use it for. And so think about things like data wrangling as an example, where perhaps you used to you use a tool, a tool like Alteryx, or perhaps you had to, you know, write some, some of your own macros to figure out how to analyze and sort data. 
you know, perhaps it's possible with generative AI to just explain um, to your laptop how you want to analyze and sort the data. And the generative AI would create, you know, the, the macro for you. That would be a good example. You know, all the way through to the other end of the spectrum, which would be, you know, is there an opportunity to use Gen AI, you know, more more fulsomely in the preparation of a tax return, say? And that's the kind of thing we're still we're still evaluating and where you really need to make sure you understand what those risks are. We've talked a lot about talent needs. And so I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about specifically diversity and the firm's ongoing efforts to attract people from different backgrounds to the profession and, and to the firm at large. And I wonder if you could talk about your goals and your thoughts about this issue, specifically for the tax practice. I mean, how how can you help to shape not just the pipeline, but support partners of the future, perhaps? Yeah, th- this is a topic that is incredibly important to me. Um, and since taking on this role, I've really made a commitment to invest my personal time in this area. So, for example, two weeks ago, I was at our Tax Purpose and Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Conference that we held at Deloitte University. Um, and it was really amazing to spend a few days with the team focused on those issues, right, from a developmental perspective, but also celebrating the success of our new PPD class. Um, next week, I'll be attending the Out and Equal Summit in Orlando, I'm spending the time there as well. And I guess you might ask me, why, why do I mention that? And I, I think it's because it's one of the keys to supporting diversity, equity, and inclusion is to show up and participate. And I do think one of the key reasons we've been so successful in this regard at Deloitte is because of that broad commitment we've made to cultivating a diverse workforce and an inclusive culture. And so we're constantly evolving our approach to meet the changing needs of the workforce and driving new ways to think about how do we make the greatest impact. And for me, personal commitment and involvement, not just of me, but of the entire leadership team and you you sort of push that down into the rest of the practice is one of the best ways to drive that impact. I wonder how this summer's Supreme Court decision that ended affirmative action on college campuses, how that has altered Deloitte's diversity efforts. How has that altered your commitment? You might you mentioned that you have a commitment to diversity and inclusion. I mean, what what what's changed this summer in, in terms of that that effort? Yeah, that, that that that's a great question, and we we've certainly spent time thinking about, you know, what if any the impact of the Supreme Court cases would be on our commitment to diversity, and and I think it's safe to say the answer is there's no impact on our commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And when we think about what is the best way to support our people, we really do think about the best way to support all of our people, right, regardless of where they sit. Um, you know, or how you, you'd want to classify someone in terms of a population. It's really not about that. It's about inclusivity for all people. And we think about, you know, what are the things that we can do that will impact all of our professionals? And it might be that programs that are open to all of our professionals um, might have a greater impact proportionately on, you know, um, one particular um, class or another. But we really strive to be inclusive um, with everything that we do. You know, what one idea that has come up a lot that could help the firms b- address both their pipeline and, and their uh, diversity efforts is to think differently about where you recruit, you know, broadening that recruitment pipeline in terms of like which campuses you're going to. And I, I wonder, you know, if there are any updates on that in terms of like how Deloitte's thinking about where it recruits and the colleges it recruits from. 
For sure. I, I would say first, we're always looking at where are we recruiting and, and the types of folks we're recruiting. Um, thinking about, you know, the types of degree students we're recruiting would be another good example. But a great example, I, I think, of what we're doing here is is our MAID commitment. And for those who don't know, MAID stands for Making Accounting Diverse and Equitable. Um, and we've, you know, through MAID or, or through our partnership with MAID, have reached 22,000 students across the country in over 200 middle schools, high schools, community colleges, and universities. Um, we funded undergraduate scholarships at 26 HBCUs. Um, through the Deloitte Foundation, made awarded 160 master scholarships. And I was, what was great was I was really able to see the power of this commitment in action earlier this summer. Um, I attended Deloitte Day at the annual NABA convention, and it was just amazing to see that, you know, through our commitments, including the ones to made, our participation has really grown exponentially. I wonder if we could talk a little bit more broadly about talent in general. I mean, um, and maybe connect these these ideas of talent and technology in terms of where this profession is going and the needs, the skills that people will need, not just five, 10 years from now, but a year from now. Like, what what is your message to your staff when they ask you that question? Like, what, what are we going to be doing a year from now? Because things are changing so quickly and, and the old ways of doing things are quickly going out the window. So how do you see these two help connect these two issues for me, the tax, the technology, um, and the talent challenges. For sure. I actually see the technology as a huge opportunity um, for our talent. And and what do I mean by that? Um, when, you, when you think about the volume of, of work that, that we do around um, compliance, as an example, right, given all of the, the regulatory change we've been talking about, um, we have you know, a good complement of our professionals who spend a lot of time processing data, generating tax returns, and, and making sure that the regulatory filings are, are appropriate, they're on time, and, and they get to our clients. When the, the, the workload is so high on the compliance side, what you sometimes don't have enough time to do as a younger professional is to spend time really on the things that are value-add. How do you become a good consultant? How do you spend time with your clients? How do you understand their business? How do you understand how these complex tax laws um, both create issues for your clients? How do they? How do you spot those issues? How do you identify the opportunities? How do you work through those complicated transactions with your clients? And I, I view the the more we can take advantage of of technology to automate some of those tasks that are really not value add, the more time we create for our our folks for learning and becoming those consultants of the future. And so I, I see a, a little bit of a bifurcation between, you know, sort of the, the rote tasks we do once you really understand the client's issues and the data, um, and then taking that time and doubling down on, on development and creating that next generation of tax partners. That was Karen Giuliante, the new CEO of Deloitte Tax, talking with Amanda Icone. And that's it for today's podcast. You can find up-to-the-minute news and the latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. Today's Talking Tax is produced by myself, David Schultz. We had special help today from Lauren Vella, Nicola White, and Aaron Slowey. Naomi Jagoda is our editor. From Washington, I'm David Schultz. Thanks for listening. Those nine justices in Washington can be hard to keep track of. That's where we come in. I'm Kimberly Robinson. I'm Greg Storr. And I'm Lydia Wheeler. On our podcast, Cases and Controversies, we give you a week-by-week accounting of the Supreme Court. 
the filings, the arguments, the yachts, and much, much more. Check in on Fridays with Cases and Controversies to find out what's coming up on the horizon at the Supreme Court. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.